Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Weekly Spirit Seeker Cindy Meyer show. We've been in this uh, platform for almost three and a half years now, and so um, there are many, many wonderful interviews that you can listen to at your leisure. Um, they're all archived and stored, and it's just very easy. They're all podcasts, so you just can download them to your um, whatever. We have so many different choices these days, but the main thing is to take the time and give yourself the gift of spiritual nourishment, and that's what all of these different radio shows do. The other way is to read Spirit Seeker magazine. This is a magazine that's been published for 18 years. Um, It's been online for 16 of those 18 years, and so that tells you we were like way at the head of the learning curve with online uh, publications back in the day. We have been a print magazine in St. Louis for 18 of those years, that's where we started, and then we migrated to Kansas City, then north to Chicago, and now we cover Wisconsin, uh, all of Illinois, into Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas. Um, so we're just all over. You can find us at unusual events. We were just at the UFO conference down in Arkansas. We'll be at the Transformation Conference. We'll be at Fakti Fest up in Wisconsin. We were just at Spirit Seekers 28th Holistic Living Expo. That's put on by Spirit Seeker Magazine, and that was just a wonderful day. We had a pre-conference uh, crystal healer certification on Saturday, and then the conference with over 14 lectures and 70 exhibitors on Sunday, and then Monday night we did a fabulous, well, I did it, Margaret Ann Limbo, our keynote speaker, uh, did all of these different things. Um, she did a cord-cutting ceremony, which was a wonderful, wonderful, uh, you know, as much work as I've done, I learned yet another way of working with um, releasing people, places, and things. So it was fabulous, fabulous, and it feels good to be back. Um, and my guest should be here any moment. So my producer will let me know when Paul Selick arrives. He's, um, I, He's I have heard so many. Oh, good. Okay, Paul, are you there? I'm Hello? here. Hello. I'm here. Oh, How great. are you? I am fabulous. How are you? Fine, thank you. Okay. So I'm just going to give a little bit of an introduction, and then uh, we'll go straight into the interview. I just want to make one more announcement, listeners. To be added to the Sacrosanct Spirit Seeker email list, uh, which then you will get a weekly email about the radio show when our new magazine is online, and any other Mind, Body, Spirit events going on through the U.S. and into Canada, and sometimes we even cover the European events. Um, just, you know, we're growing. So just send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at spiritseeker.com and we will uh, add you to our list and it, we don't sell our list so it's uh, it's 
totally, you know, you'll just hear from us. Okay, we will not have any more commercials for the rest of the show. You know how to find us, spiritseeker.com. So Paul Selig is an interesting person. I um, have been hearing about him for several months, but then as soon as I found out about his most recent book, and we've been publishing articles in Spirit Seeker magazine, all of a sudden I'd hear from someone saying, oh, I just saw him at a conference in Florida, or oh, I just had a reading, or oh, I just, and it's gone on and on, and I've had so many different emails, um, you know, about Paul, and so he started off, um, and Paul, you're going you're gonna to tag on to this, but mm-hmm. he was born in New York City and received a master's degree from Yale. So you can tell he did a traditional path with, with uh, seeking higher education. Then in 1987, he had a spiritual experience that led him uh, to be aware of his clairvoyant skills. Um, as a way to gain a context for what he was beginning to experience, he studied a form of energy healing, uh, working at Marion Williamson's Manhattan Center for Living, and in private practice. Um, in the process, he began to hear the clairaudient part of his gifts, and much of his work is now working as a clairaudient, clairvoyant uh, channel and empath. What a combination. And in addition, you're... Um, you, you teach, uh, Paul, at, you're on the faculty of NYU, and you direct the MFA, Master's of Fine, um, wait a minute, what is the, what is the MFA? Uh, fine Arts, Master's in Fine Arts, boy, I'm slow tonight, okay, sorry, already uh, tuning into things. Okay, so Master's in Fine Arts program, um, so you have your hands in many different things. You have all kinds of workshops coming up at the Kripala mm-hmm. Center, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, uh, the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, Big Sur, California. So you are also a noted playwright. You're an educator. I don't know how you do it all. Do you sleep at all? Not much, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> Not enough. It's- isn't it funny, though, when you're so tuned in at the level that you are, sleep just kind of gets overrated, I think. Oh, I don't think it's overrated. I actually wouldn't mind a little bit more of it than I've been getting, but, you know, it's my choice, and I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah. I just sort of keep chugging along. So, you know, Paul, just, just you know, if you would just tell us who, you know, how this all started. You, I mean, I don't really, yeah, um, yeah just, just whatever. You start, and sure. then I'll, I'll interject every once in a while. Well, I mean, it wasn't planned, I'll tell you that much. You know, I I was raised something of an atheist. I didn't know what a spiritual life was because I hadn't had permission to have one. It really just wasn't part of the vocabulary um, that I grew up with. And in some ways, in retrospect, I think maybe that was a good thing um, because when I, I really hit a wall when I was about 25, um, I began to seek personally uh, for something spiritual to support me. And I I ended up having an experience. That's the only way that I can say it. I mean, I was about 25. I went up to the roof of the building I lived in. On the night of this thing, people were calling the harmonic convergence. I heard people were going to be waking up. I asked to be woken up. And for whatever reason, something happened, whether I induced it myself through breathing funny. I I recently met somebody who said it was a shaktipa. I'd never heard the term before when I, I described what had happened. But I had an experience of energy that was moving through my body. And after that, I began seeing these little lights around people, you know, these little things like fireflies. And I studied a form of energy healing, mostly, I think, because I was not a happy camper myself, but also because I was looking for a context 
for the phenomena that I was beginning to experience. I had begun to open up a little bit as a clairaudient. I was seeing energy. Um, and I studied healing, and then I found out that I was clairsentient, which was the ability to feel energy empathically. And I started to hear from my clients, which is really how the channeling began to emerge. Um, I didn't know, truthfully, that I was channeling as I do now until I was really doing it. I really, you know, I'm not a trained medium, and um, I didn't know that I could do anything that I I'm, I'm seem to be able to do now until it was actually happening. But, you know, one night I was doing a group in my apartment. I'd been doing a little channel group for many years, and my guides turned to somebody and said, you know, Paul's not going to believe what comes through him until he sees it written down. And then I began to record and transcribe. And very shortly after that, they dictated, you know, the first of three books. Um, you know, so there, there are three books out now that are, are all channeled and really essentially the unedited transcripts of channeling sessions. So that's sort of the, the short form of the overview, but it really wasn't anything that I anticipated. So I still, you know, manage a life as an academic. It's still part of who I am. But my work as a, as a channel is, 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 has moved to the forefront, and I'm still moderately shocked that that's happened because it really wasn't the intention. You know, it's interesting that your awakening was on the harmonic convergence because, mm -hmm. you know, I can remember, I think I was in a Course in Miracles study group and they were all talking about it and I was like, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Because yeah. I think I was working on my MBA at that time and, uh -huh. you know, I, I was like, what are, you know, but I was in these spiritual groups and, yeah. um, but that seems like a turning point for, well, it was a turning point. It was a portal for, all, you know, mm -hmm. anyone that was, even if you weren't awake, you know, but especially yeah. if you were awake. You know, um, so that's just, that's interesting. Yeah. But you called for it. You, you asked, asked for it. I asked for it. Yeah, I really did. I, you know, but I think because I had been raised with nothing and I was suddenly living in a world where maybe there was a God and if there was a God or some spirit of the universe, that meant that nothing was the way that I thought it was. I knew that my, my sense of reality was, was being turned on its head. If that much was true, it was possible that I could be woken up by asking to be woken up. I mean, I think I was really in that place of innocence, of anything is possible. And I think I, I was actually asking without a real agenda. I just wanted to know this thing. And what I ended up responding to was energy. I don't think it, it makes me special. I, I think what the harmonic convergence was for me was enormous permission you know, people said something can happen, and I went, okay, maybe it can happen. And that was enough of a gateway for me to come sort of tumbling through into this other experience of my life, um, which has really continued. So I'm grateful for that and for whoever decided to say, hey, this can be so. Well, and, and interestingly enough, without a lot of programming or dogma, you were probably just this open vessel totally you know, and, and a lot of your writings talking about, um, and you can probably phrase it better, but how can I be of service? You know, yeah. what is, when you're doing, you know, the, the Stuart Wilde wrote that book, when you do what you love and the money will follow. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's basically energy. We know that now. Yeah. And, uh, but where your passion is, you know, where the attention goes, the energy flows. So, mm -hmm. you know, here you are, you're now known as the, what is it, the psychic professor, or what do they call you? You have a, oh, they have a name One of the you. things people were calling me for a bit, you know, the psychic <laughs> professor and the reluctant psychic, you know, I've heard that one too. And, you know, yeah. but really I'm just Paul who shows up, you know. I just keep showing up for this stuff. 
partially because I'm curious. I don't understand it. I don't have the science behind it. I'm sure there is one. Um, my work, you know, as an empath and a psychic is, is, is pretty much physical mediumship. So I'm stepping into people. If you ask about your sister in Hawaii and you give me your name, I can step into your sister and I'll start to look like her. So there's this whole other sort of phenomena that's, that's happening when I work that I find really interesting. And the only way for me to understand it is to be par- participatory to it. So I'm just this guy that's on this journey. And really, along with everybody else, I'm not a guru. I'm not a spiritual teacher I'm, I'm a channel you know and an empath and somebody who's trying to to sort of understand I think as much as anybody else is well and you've been compared to Edgar Casey, so uh, and I just love Edgar Casey. I mean the Edgar Casey's work was put in my hands by this 80 year old lady who took me underneath her wings mm-hmm. when I was in my early 20th 20s and took uh-huh. me to my first Swami and yeah. the Theosophical Society and uh-huh. you know I mean and I remember you know Edgar Casey when you had to send away for the files from Area for Research and Enlightenment sure. they mail uh-huh. you these files now it's like all computerized it's just fascinating yeah. yeah but um but for our listeners that don't know about Edgar Casey I mean has he been have you studied him or no is that just no I haven't I've done a workshop like him. You know, I, I you know I get now because I signed up for them these little daily you know email things you know with, which are quotes from his channelings and I'm surprised at how similar the quality is um, in terms of the message not the not the way that the message is being rendered his his work I think is a bit more steeped in sort of the King James. Bible language, and even though my guides speak a lot about the Christ as the level of consciousness, I think that the I think that the 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 morality of the message or the teachings feel similar at times. But you know, I've never read him. Um, I don't know much about. I mean, I know he's the sleeping prophet. Um, my editor at Penguin, Mitch Horowitz wrote a wonderful book called Occult America, and there's a great chapter on Casey, which is really the most I know about his work. Um, I, I understand, I think, the comparison less in terms of perhaps how we work. I know he was asleep. He would go to sleep and channel. I'm a conscious channel. It's very different. But I, I think that if there are similarities, perhaps it's just that we were both a little unexpected um, vehicles for this kind of work, and I, I feel that that's true for me. I don't, I wouldn't have expected this for myself if I looked at a roadmap, you know, for my life. I can't say that that's the truth. Truth that's true for him, but I've heard. Right. Well, I mean. You know, basically, from what I understand, he just, you know, he was a photographer and then would go into a trance like. Huh state and not even and come out of it and not even know what he said but it was complete yeah. complete diagnoses mm-hmm. so while we're on that um mm-hmm. a lot of people today with so much more on mediumship and mm-hmm. you know channels and psychics and mm-hmm. you know intuitives what what would you would you feel is a good explanation for someone who's saying what are they talking about what is a psychic what is an intuitive yeah. what is a channeler and the work that you're doing when you say sure. you're a, a conscious channeler if yeah, you would explain yeah. that would be great well, I, I'll do my best, you know, and I'm sure others have better definitions than I do. And when I say that I'm a conscious channel, it means that I'm still conscious as I'm receiving the information. So I always say that it's kind of like I'm still in the car, but I'm in the back seat. 
and I'm aware of I'm aware of the dictation that's coming through me enough so that I can actually backseat drive and question it, which is very different than say how Casey worked or how I understand CZ Knight works, um, which is really as an unconscious channel or a trance channel where you really are out. Um, I'm really resistant to being out. I like being in my body. My body does get used when I work. I think, you know, when I'm channeling, I'm hearing the words as they come and repeating them. So I'm really taking dictation. And when the energy is really high, it'll often come through the, through directly. I mean, more and more so. And the energy is just huge. I mean, when I work, and this I don't know if this is unique to, to how I work, but... When I do groups, um, my guides come through with energy that's very physically palpable for everybody, and they often attune people to the energy that they work with. So there's a very large physical component, both to when I'm working as a channel, and actually, you know, it seems to accompany the books as well that my guides have written. The books, they say, are, are energetic attunement. So a trance channel is out, a conscious channel is still present, a psychic is really working with this level of this this plane, this level of manifestation. I mean, if I'm turning into, I'm interesting because they they've called me a medium for the living, and I have this very odd ability to tune into people that are alive. I'll often begin to resemble them and really hear them telepathically and be in conversation. So if you know you're having problems with your husband, I can step into you or your husband, and I can really understand the dynamic and hopefully support people in moving through their blocks. Um, that's the psychic realm. I'm less of a spiritual medium. A spiritual medium, in the traditional sense, is working with those who have crossed. And I do do that in my sessions, but it's not my primary work. So very often, for example, if somebody comes through, if I'm, if I'm sitting with somebody, say, and they're having an issue around their father who's crossed, I can step into the father. I'll often step into him right at the time when he crossed and often feel, you know, how he passed. But I'll then move into the dynamic when they were alive in order to understand that. And I'm assuming if he wants to come through, I'll be able to hear him if there's a message. But I'm not doing that kind of, I think, what they call evidential mediumship. I admire it enormously. And whenever it happens through me, I'm surprised because I don't think of that as my primary ability, but it happens, it happens with some regularity. Um, so that's psychic work and spiritual work. Channeled work really, I think, in a lot of ways is about bringing through teaching. So, you know, my guides are teachers, and they've really come through with a specific teaching and a, what seems to be a pretty specific agenda that they've rendered in a trilogy of books. And I, I'm assuming that there may be more. They said they had a trilogy to write, and they did it. Now I hear there may be more books, and I hope so because I'm interested in learning more. But, you know, different guides seem to be doing different things. I'm not, for example, I'm a physical empath, and I can often feel in my body what's going on with somebody else, but I don't consider myself a medical intuitive because I don't have that vocabulary to work with. Um, and when I say that I'm a physical empath, you know, it's interesting. I mean, like, I, I'm the only guy that I know who's ever had a hot flash, and I had it when I was reading for a woman who was having one. I didn't know what was going on, except, you know, I started to burn from the inside out, you know. And so I've had these very interesting experiences physically. Um, 
that are about being somebody else or stepping into somebody else. Um, but I'm not necessarily going to tell somebody, you know, where they're deficient in their diet. My guides might, and they have on occasion come through with that information. But it's not, again, my primary work. My primary work really does seem to be to help people sort of move through the blocks that they're presenting themselves with for whatever reasons that are maybe obstructing their growth and to support people really in lifting their frequency or their vibration to a higher level where they can encounter themselves in a whole new way and consequently, you know, manifest a life or a world that's really in recognition of, of their own true worth or as my guides would say, their own divine worth. So that's a I bit love, of a, an overview. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just love the name of your book. The you know your the the recent one the book uh, you know the the book of knowing knowing your worth and mm-hmm. you know when you write um, I, I just I, it's, it's just fabulous and I'm going to read a testimonial um, listeners this is what um, Suzanne Richmond director of health uh, arts and sciences wrote and I I think you know I read all the different testimonials but this mm-hmm. one especially I like and she says Paul combines energy work with a unique ability to tune into his li- his clients' life path and relationships. I have never found anyone who works with such precise skill and compassion regarding both energetic clearing and rock-solid psychic counseling. I constantly refer others to work with Paul and regularly invite him to facilitate healing circles with groups of friends and colleagues. His energy sessions are intensely palpable and radically transformative, providing immediate restoration for psychic, uh, or I'm sorry, for psyche and soma, so the mind and the body. Mm-hmm. And... I thought I, you know, I thought that was probably the best description. I mean, you know, you come from so many different angles with your gifts, and um, I mean, it's just an honor, you know, to have you on the show because, you know, you're doing really good work. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I, you know, I, to tell you the truth, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I continue to show up. You know, I just came back. I was just doing a group in Santa Fe. And I said at the beginning of the group, I have no idea what's going to happen. I can't plan these things because they're all channeled, you know. And I say, you know, that every time I work, you know, it's a bit like jumping into a swimming pool and hoping to God there's water in the pool. And so far, you know, my guides haven't let me down. I mean, they really do work with who's there at whatever level is required. I, I like doing the psychic work with people because I like the physical transformation that I go through. I like being told, oh, my God, you look just like my husband. Oh, yeah, that's my kid. You know, when I step into the kid, into the energy field, and I take on the resemblance because it really is, is, is it, not, it's, it, it's real. I mean, you can't, you know, it, it, it's evidential. No. Yeah, and I love that because it supports my ability to trust all the other stuff that's coming through me. I mean, my guides are really teaching about the evolution of consciousness, and they're really saying that mankind is at a juncture where we have the opportunity to claim our our divine selves and realize them. And, you know, from where I come from in my life, I live in Manhattan, you know, I mean, this isn't my stuff, but I'm party to it as it continues and trying to learn with it. I'm not their best student, but I'm, I'm grateful for for the compliment and I'm grateful for Suzanne's testimonial she's a wonderful healer herself and it meant a lot you know to have her support of my work especially early on 
when I was really just beginning to trust what was coming through me. Um, it's always been a challenge for me. The hardest part about being a channel, I've always said, is the fact that I'm the channel. If you were the channel, I'd have no problem with it. I could decide whether I was with what you were saying or whether it resonated with me or not. And, you know, as the work comes through me, I'm, it's kind of like asking the radio to judge the broadcast, you know, or the faucet to judge the water. You know, it's coming through me, so I'm participatory. But at the same time, there's this sense of other um, to the whole thing, which is, which is really weird and, and kind of fascinating to me still as it happens. You know, with with all the different um, pathways that you were working in, um, was it hard to discipline yourself to to sit and receive the information, or did you did you do regular scheduled times, or did you? Yeah. Just say, yeah. I mean, how did you possibly with everything you're doing? I mean, I'm just curious. Well, the, with everything I'm doing, you know, is is a question. For example, I'm I'm on sabbatical from NYU right now. Um, you know, I'm not teaching classes. I still do. I, I run the master's program at Goddard College, which is a, a place that I love. Um, but how did I do it? I didn't ex- first of all, I didn't expect to channel a book. It wasn't planned. My guide said, we have a book to write, and if it takes two, and it'll, it'll take two weeks if you do it. And I had just gotten my ego leveled a couple of days before I was on the phone with this woman, Victoria Nelson, when they came through with that information. And I thought, why the hell not? Let's see what happens. You know, it was really an experiment. So, you know, we met pretty much every day for two, about two weeks, two and a half weeks, I think, because I took a couple of days off because I had to go teach. And the whole first book was dictated in those sessions. So it frankly took longer to type the transcripts up than it did to dictate the book. And there was no editing process. Um, The second book took about 30 30 days, I think, or 30 sessions, as did the last one. Although the last sessions were spread out, like you know, maybe two a month or three a month because of my 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 other travel schedule, so the discipline for me is always just showing up. I show up for the work, and often when I don't want to, you know, sometimes the last thing I really want to do is is you know get on a plane and and go and sit in uh, you know a conference room at a hotel and then sort of recede and and then be this vehicle but i'm never ever ever sorry that i've done it because it feels great the energy feels wonderful when it's working through you i always feel better after the fact my i'm not very disciplined i i i'm told again and again and again by my friends who mentor me that you know i would benefit enormously from a daily practice of meditation and I know that I would and I'm resistant um, so you know I've I'm not the best student of my guide's work I'm, I'm convinced of that but I'm still willing and I think that for whatever reasons this is what's happening well it seems to be working <laughs> you know, yeah, I think it's working, working you know I, I think it is working I don't know where it's going some days but um, but they're great, you know. <laughs> I mean, I have to say I'm very fortunate, you know. They don't they don't they don't they 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 think you know they've never not shown up, and I'm very grateful for that. You know, there's this book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's um, called Cosmic Consciousness, and I don't know. I heard about it in the '80s, and mm-hmm. it's like from different um, existentialists, Sir Francis Bacon, and uh. they go through um, all kinds of different philosophers, and there's this pivotal moment they talk about this cosmic moment where they realize that we're all like 
we're consciously connected to everything yeah. and everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, to me, what it sounds like when you are, okay, so there's this thing that's going to happen. I'm willing. I'm open. And I think that I just feel like more and more people are waking mm-hmm. up in a different yeah. way. I think they are. I really do think they are. I think it's a lot about permission. I think that I think that the energy is less dense. I think the fact that you know the the fact that I can be in the world and still have an academic life and be having this conversation with you, you know, is would have been a head scratcher 10-15 years ago, you know? I, I actually was on, I was interviewed on Fox News this morning, Fox News Latino, and I, I mean a part of me thinks this is absolutely crazy. And they're saying, and Paul's a teacher at NYU, and I'm going, this is really crazy. The teacher at NYU is now channeling on national television, and it's accepted as part of the discourse. It's accepted as not being completely far out. I mean, they asked me to channel for for, for Latino community. It was, and I thought, this is really wild that this is happening. So I think that things have changed, and I think that there's great permission. You know, the experience that I had on the roof was a personal experience of knowing that I was connected to something more. It was a couple of years after that. I went through a big, big old depression, you know, after all that stuff happened, after I initially opened up. And there was a place at the end of that where it lifted. And I remember walking around the streets of New York at that time in my life. I must have been, you know, 28 or something or 30. And I was, you know, broke. And I, I knew, in, I just knew that everybody was where they were supposed to be and I was too. I mean, it was this profound sense of knowing and grace that was there on the other side of that dark period. And that I've never forgotten because I knew at that period my connection with everybody and everything. It was inescapable. And that was a marker for me for a long time. I think that people, I think that that level of consciousness, which my guides speak of as a Christ consciousness, is available to everybody. And it is about awareness and perception. And what they say, and they talk about in the new book, is, you know, we've been taught that we're not worthy of our own divinity, you know, and if we're not worthy of it, how can anybody else be? You don't kill what you know is precious. You don't kill what you love. You don't war with somebody who you have given value to. And they're really stepping it up. So, you know, the books work on the reader, which I I think is kind of fascinating. The books work on the reader to support them in lifting their own consciousness to a new level of awareness where these things can be so. So I think it's available to everybody now, not just, God forbid, not just for the books that are coming through me. I just think it's there there if people want it. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Oh, I think it's an amazing thing. And I think that people right now are wanting answers. You know, I mean, it's, you know, some people find it in churches, but even the people mm-hmm. in churches, what I'm finding is they're looking for, um, especially the kids. You know, I yeah. have I have children from uh-huh. 28 down to 16, and then I raised uh-huh. four stepchildren. And uh-huh. what I can tell you is, these younger kids that have grown up with knowledge at their fingertips and, you know, their Twitter lists with their friends, their mm-hmm. hearts are open, they're connected, they yep. feel like if something happens to one of them, they know because they're so incredibly connected. It's a different, 
it's different. It is but different. I agree. They're, yeah, and it's and it's good. And you know that some of the teachers have had trouble with dealing with these wide awake kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they step it up, the, the teachers that have stepped it up, you know, you yeah. can just you can just tell. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's I don't know. That's another subject for another time. But but getting back to the Christ consciousness, uh-huh. um, even before we step into that, what what I felt like you were describing with the, you know, Marianne Williamson, of course, mm-hmm. wrote that book, uh, Woman of Worth. You know, knowing your your worthiness, but uh-huh. Kuan Yin, you know, I think Kuan Yin is so prevalent right now in mm-hmm. teaching that, you know, this unconditional love of others and compassion, but you must start with yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest. So many people that are doing the work still haven't haven't been able to forge that unconditional love with themselves. So, mm-hmm. so I think this is a good segue into um, so many of your readings are talking about this, the Christ consciousness. So mm-hmm. let, let's go there next. I think that would be good. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to go there. I mean, I, you know, I don't even know if I understand what it is. I know what it feels like, and I know what my guides say. I mean, I'm in so many ways not the expert. I mean, my guides have been lecturing. They call it, I mean, you know, it's, it's in, I guess I should say this. You know, the language that my guides work with is a little archaic at times, and it seems to be somewhat rooted in the Judeo-Christian tradition, but they unpack the meaning. I mean, they, their definition of the Christ, which they speak about at length in all of their books, is the aspect of the Creator that can be realized in material form. That's their definition. And they say that each man and woman is seated with this thing, and that really, you know, we're, it's seeking to come into its own realization as and through us, as our own expression, that that's how we serve. How we serve is how we operate at our most realized self. And they speak about this thing, they call it the kingdom, you know, and, they, and their definition of the kingdom, and this is in the new book, they say it's the awareness of the divine in all manifestation. You know, it's a level of consciousness and awareness. And if you really can walk down the street and see, I mean, my guys would probably say, if you can just walk down the street and realize that everybody has a right to be there because they were born, that's a huge step in consciousness. They have a right to be there. Wherever they are, whatever you may think of them, you know, how you would judge them. And the guides say, you know, whatever you judge, you fear. So it's always a lesson. So that's the first step. They have a right to be there. They were born. But then if you can lift beyond that and see each human being as an aspect of the divine, a a piece of the creator here in form at whatever level of awareness they've come to, that's when you really begin to expand your own consciousness. Because if you can, you know, it's essentially you, you can't deny, they would say this, and I believe this, he says you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. You can't deny the God in somebody else and claim it for yourself. It's sheer hypocrisy, you know, and, and we do it conveniently. Yeah. Oh, I know. There, were, there was a story, and, you know, this is, you know, paraphrased, but there was a story about this man who um, was stepping into a ministerial role at a congregation, and... Uh-huh. Uh, the whole board of the church was on board with his idea. He he dressed mm-hmm. as a vagrant homeless person, uh-huh. and this was like a huge congregation. And all these people that were coming in, they just they they were awkward with it. Like, what is this bum doing out near our church, and why is he here? And you know, like, oh, you know, he smells and all mm-hmm. this. And they just walked by him. No, very few, only like two or three, even said hello to him. And then they all were seated in church waiting to meet mm-hmm. the new minister. And the new minister walked 
walked up to the pulpit and spoke as the bum, and he says, I am mm-hmm. your new minister. Mm-hmm. And he said, how many of you looked the other way when you walked by me? How many of you actually opened your hearts, you know, and realized mm-hmm. that I, too, belong here, like similar mm-hmm. to what you're talking about? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just so easy to judge and, and um in judgment of any kind, we we know mm-hmm. creates separation. And yeah. you know, I think that I think that holy instant when you just realize, you know, like we're all in this together. And the internet has certainly changed it, hasn't it? I agree. <laughs> I, mean, it's I like, think it's a big lesson. I agree. Yeah, and you, you know, know uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, what's interesting about the internet was it's it, everybody's dealing in consciousness. There's no bodies. And it's all interconnectedness. I mean, it really, you know, I taught myself how to read psychically on the Internet because there was no distraction. There were no bodies. And you could be reading for, you know, sexy chick 413 on AOL.com and know that it's a 90-year-old man, you know. But you're still reading, you know. I mean, the energy was pure. But I, I do agree the interconnectedness is amazing that's available now. There was a description, um, one of the uh, nuns in St. Louis was at the Vatican when uh, Pope Francis was, you know, inducted or whatever Mm -hmm. they call it. And, Uh you know, she described, you know, he was very wise in the way he he said they are father. And it Mm -hmm. was in every language, Mm -hmm. you know, in Rome, no matter where you came from, everyone pretty much knows the prayer, they are father. And... Mm -hmm. She said it was just this beautiful moment where everyone, no matter what language, it was just all the same thing. It was all all the words, you know, intention, mm-hmm. every language. And, and I thought, what a brilliant way, really, you know, to bring everyone together. And, yeah. you know, the more we can do this, the better the world's going to be. And your mm-hmm. work is just really, I like your humbleness, you know, number one. I like that you're a teacher and yet you're saying I'm I'm just, like you, which is pretty much the sign of a good teacher, I think. Someone who doesn't want to be put on a pedestal and, you know, like I'm here doing the work just like you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in this too and I have my own moments, you know. And mm-hmm. doing the work, it, I, I love how you said that a lot of what you're doing with the clients you're working with is helping them raise their vibration, which mm-hmm. energetically, the instant we go higher, it changes everything. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And we're accountable to our creations and we're responsible to our own energy fields, you know, in terms of of how we want to be operating. And I think that we don't know that we have that ability, you know. I mean, occasionally when my guides are teaching, they sort of, you know, gesture as if they're turning a radio dial and they have everybody do it. They say, you know, you're all radios. You really do choose your broadcast and your broadcast is your consciousness, there's much more choice to this than we really know. We're really, and they say, you know, we're free. Freedom is choice. As long as we have a choice, we're free. And we actually always have the choice to choose a new thought. And our thought really is part of what really, I think, manifests our frequency. So, Paul, so many people are talking about ascension and wanting mm-hmm. this to be the last lifetime and, you know, wanting to be an ascended master working mm-hmm. on the other side. And, you know, so what What are your guides? You know, what do they say about the ascension and, and, well, and what this means? Well, I mean, they, when, whenever anybody in a group says, I want this to be my last lifetime, they say, well, then you have to come back. You know, I mean, essentially, that's the indicator. You know, if, if, if you, you know, that that's pretty much means you're not done here yet. 
You know, it's not about not being in the body. It's about doing this work in the body. We've been gifted with bodies. We're on this plane. You know, this is where we're operating through. I mean, we're, we're multidimensional beings. I, I, I accept that much. I, there's no other way that I could be tuning into somebody in Africa and feeling what they feel like, you know, because that's not about being moored to the physical self. But this idea, and I've got to tell you, you know, I, when I was first opening up spiritually, I was doing it out of sheer necessity. I was absolutely in pain, you know. It was really, you know, what's that old Leonard Cohen song, Suzanne, you know. It says, like, Jesus was a sailor when he walked upon the water, and when he knew for certain only drowning men could see him. He said, all, all men will be sailors, you know, until the sea shall free them. And I'm not a Christian, you know, but I totally get that line. You know, I didn't go right. here because it was feeling so great, but I didn't stay for that reason. I stayed because I had an experience that there was more to reality than I had ever been led to believe. And I think that the idea of wanting to get out is something I really understand. I used to be a four pack of cigarettes the day guy, you know, anything to sort of numb the body or hold the frequency down or escape. I've probably done at one point in my life, but I do think it's about being here now. Ascension I get is my guides talk about this incarnation. The new book is about, they call it a teaching of incarnation. It's about being your divine self in the present not in some other realm. It really is about lifting your consciousness to a level where your physical reality begins to transform in relation to your vibration. That's the big thing. That's it right there. Yeah. That's it right there. Yeah. Uh, and if you can get that, I mean, you know, I can remember studying with different teachers from India and, uh, you know, I, I've been on this path for a while, but I can remember them saying, oh yeah, it's great. You know, you can do all the work, you can do your meditation, you can do all of that. Now go back out in the real world and see how you do. Yeah. And it's like the minute you get that, okay, every, every moment is a calling in on some level, you know, and it's there and the resistance you know, is what keeps us stuck. And it's like the minute you just surrender and and say, okay, I'm going to play and see what life brings. I'm just going to be in the moment. You know, Ram Dass, be here now. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the last book that he channeled, Be, be Love Now. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yep. he was just way ahead of, of many of us with the, the, you know, power of now, Eckhart Tolle. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it comes from every language, every direction. Mm-hmm. But really, this moment is so it. I get the same thing. I mean, my guides say that we're at a time of reckoning, and they say what a reckoning is is a time of facing. It's nothing terrifying, but it is a facing. And they say, you know, we're having to face all of our creations. And they say that everything that we've created in fear, frankly, has to be recreated in a higher way, you know, because we can't keep operating at that level of frequency. You know, and we're taught to, we're, we're inducted into this sort of fear-based way of being in relationship to everybody else and being in relation to the rest of the world. And that's not getting us anywhere. I mean, that's all a teaching of separation. Um, and I don't know the value of it. I understand, you know, the need for a personality. And it's nice, to, you know, if I take my shoes off, but I, that I put mine on at the end of the day and not yours because I know what you're mine. But I don't know if beyond that, 
all of that stuff is, is that helpful anymore. And when they, take, when they speak about reckoning, they're talking about an opportunity to transform as a result of what we see. And I do right. think that this is happening now. I think it's positive. You know, it's funny. I, I went through the cancer experience almost eight mm-hmm. years ago. And uh-huh. I remember my teacher from India was visiting St. Louis. And I was, this was back in 2008. So I was two years out, out from the experience at the time. And I told him, I said, I really think I'm getting this whole deal. I said, I'm attracting all these clients that have cancer and I'm doing energy mm-hmm. work and, you know, healing work. And he shook his head and he said, no. I looked at him and he says, you need to be very, um, very aware that the the reason you're still attracting that particular type of client is because it's still in your energy field. Mm-hmm. He says, you will know you're on the right track when you have raised your energy in a whole different vibration. And he says, you'll attract ready to go, healthy, happy people that want to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. He said, the mm-hmm. fact that you're getting so many of that, it's still something you're working on and it's in your uh-huh. aura. And I remember, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I had it totally backwards and now I get it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I remember one year I made this decision, I just talked to the universe, God, whatever, and I said, okay, I only want to hang out with like people who are my vibration or higher so that I can go higher and higher and Mm -hmm. do more of this, this, you know, work, this play. And Mm -hmm. it was amazing. It was like a centrifuge, you know, like Mm -hmm. how it spins the blood and things get spun Mm -hmm. off and then you're left with, you know, the the part that you need for the test. And it was like people were just amazingly quickly spun off and other ones Uh spun in. And it was, Uh I mean, I don't, you know, it's really, isn't life grand? I mean, when you just like are willing to serve. It can be, you know. I mean, I'm sitting here worrying about, you know, the report that I didn't do for one of my academic jobs that I should have done yesterday when I was, you know, on the plane back from Santa Fe with no Wi-Fi. You know, I mean, when I'm not stuck in my sort of pettiness and my worry um, about what I think things should be or my concerns about outcomes, it is pretty amazing. You know, I mean, it really is amazing. I was complaining in this group in Santa Fe, like, you know, what happens if I, you know, if I, if I don't go back to this teaching job that I've been on break from and what, you know, and the guide said, you know, and they, they, they usually only address me very directly when I'm doing a group because I really can't shut up, you know. I mean, the deal is there are people there and I can't edit, you know, if it's coming out of my mouth. And they said, you know, listen, you know, if you think about what we've done so far, I mean, you you know, we've delivered three books that required no preparation and you're here, your life is totally transformed. Why don't you think you're being taken care of still, you know? We really are, you know, I think. I mean, actually, that's not true. I know. We are. But as I invest in my small stuff, that becomes my reality, and that's where my vibration goes, right down there with all the stuff. So, so I had, did not ask you this before we got started. Mm-hmm. Are you open to doing, um, if, if readers or listeners rather have a question for you tonight, are you opening, uh, open to opening that channel and doing many readings, or would you prefer to strictly keep it? I, you know, I'm open to talking about the work, and if the guides come through, the guides come through. I don't know, just because it's been a long day, if I'd want to be working psychically right now. I mean, if it happens, it happens. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm so, saying I'm not averse to it, okay? Okay. So listeners, if you have a question for Paul, all you have to do is press one pound on your um, 
phone, and then my producer will take you into the side room. So don't, we're not saying, oh, am I going to meet my lover? Am I going to meet my this? Am I getting a new job? We're not doing that. But if there's a question about something that is happening um, that you feel that Paul uh, could help you with, then by all means, um, we'll take a few questions. But um, where I'd like to go next is mm-hmm. talking about being of service, because uh, I yeah. just, I mean, I, to me, that's what is that's the deal. Um, but yet I was telling someone that, that there was a time where I was on six different volunteer boards and I remember mm-hmm. resigning from all of yeah. them at one time yeah. because that's what, you know, I was told to resign mm-hmm. and create the space for other things. But yeah. I just I just love how your guides are talking so much about service. So mm-hmm. so would you please touch on this? Sure. You know, in, the, in, in the new book, the book of Knowing and Worth, they say, you know, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve. And they say that it's a claim of incarnation. And that it will actually call your frequency into present time, which they say is the only time you can know anything. You know, you can't know tomorrow, you didn't know yesterday, you can only know now. So when you're operating in the present, you can be expressed at that level. They say how we serve is how we're expressed in the highest way available to us. And the mistakes that some of us make is that we think it's supposed to look like something that we've been told, you know, like I'm supposed to go be a nurse because that's being of service. So how anybody serves is really how they're being their best selves in their highest expression. And they do talk about expression. Now, when my guides talk about expression, they're really, you know, the I know who I am is almost a reframing of identity. I know who I am, not as Paul, the personality, but the divine self. So... When you claim, I know who I am, you're self-identifying with the divine essence or the divine being that you truly are. What you are is here and now in this incarnation and this expression, and how you serve is how you're expressed at this level of identification. So it's when your higher self is really expressing and operating as you, you can't help but be in service. It's going to happen organically. And not only that, the opportunities to serve will be brought to us. So we don't have to go looking for the darn careers. You know, everybody's saying, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Uh, that's the monkey mind, I think. I think when we're operating, you know, what the guides would say, the divine as you knows a whole lot more, you know, than the smaller self and really will call those opportunities to you. But you have to be aligned to it. You know, I studied with a couple of teachers many years ago. They were at, um, I host a holistic conference. I've been doing it since 1996, and we just had our 28th one uh-huh. um, like 10 days ago. Yeah, and it was just, you know. But I remember um, four four statements, and, I, and this is pretty much how I start almost every day. I Sometimes I'll forget when I get going too quickly, but it's, it's I, it, the statements are, I am here, mm-hmm. I am open, mm-hmm. I am ready, guide mm-hmm. me. No, wonderful. And it's like, it, it just, I know, I mean, I'm so grateful, you know, for, for their teachings, just for those four statements. It was like, mm-hmm. it was, you know, worth everything that I went through, you know, with, you know, everything. And it's like, I mean, it's just changed my life. Just, wow. I'm here, I'm open, and I'm ready, guide me. And it's like, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, I wonder who's going to be on the phone. Or I wonder who's going to be, you know, the, the emails. And there's a sense of wonder, you know, mm-hmm. that, that comes with it. Okay, I'm here. What is mm-hmm. the best use of my um, you know, time and service today, and mm-hmm. that's what I feel through through your your um, teachings, through your books, and you know, I I I just I just think that 
so many people right now are lost. I don't like to use the word lost. That's not really. Let's just say they're waking up and they're wanting mm-hmm. more meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's addressed in your book. And you know, one of the things. Um, that I would like to address is, you know, so many people that have been raised in traditional religion mm-hmm. um, are a little bit uncomfortable with saying, you know, I am an expression of God mm-hmm. or I'm the creator in form yeah. or, you know, so what do your guides, I mean, how do they, what are their words on this to help comfort well, people and guide them? They, I mean, they, they, unpack, they unpack their terminology in the books um, pretty carefully, you know, because there are people that can't get past their use of the word Christ because of the religious connotations, and they say it's really not about religion. It actually, the term itself predates, you know, Christianity. I mean, they're really talking, I think, about something primal to everybody. But I think the disenfranchisement with, with, with organized religion, I mean, I'm a gay man, you know, it wasn't available to me in, in most ways, you know, it wasn't, I, I remember being taken by a friend to a fundamentalist church in the South, and I had to get out of there, I said, you know, I'm going to get, I mean, I felt like I wasn't safe, you know, and I, perhaps I wasn't, you know, at that time in history. So I think that the availability of spirit is a huge, huge deal for many people, whether or not they've come through organized religion or never been party to it. In some ways, the fact that, you know, I was raised without it left me without a lot of the bias that some of my friends who are, you know, were were lapsed Catholics or left religion very intentionally because of whatever reasons, and still have a hunger for a spiritual life. But I have to say, I mean, the people that come to my groups, I was just, you know, at Unity in Louisville, and there were a bunch of ministers in the group, and I have nuns that attend my groups, you know, with with, with the guides. It's pretty amazing. So it's really reaching people across the board. And I think part of what happens when my guides work is there's a very palpable experience of divine presence. I mean, you can feel it running through your body you know, and you're able to work with it, which I think bypasses a whole bunch of resistance. It did for me. I mean, if I hadn't had that physical experience, who knows? I wouldn't have bought any of it, you know? Yeah. So it's there. You know, authentic, you know, authenticity is just authenticity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, you can't, I mean, it crosses all cultural boundaries. It's just all, people recognize authenticity. Mm-hmm. And the real thing. And so, listeners, I want to I want to mention this is Paul Selig, and his website is p a u l s e l i g dot com. And his first book in the trilogy is I Am the Word: A Guide to the Consciousness of Man's Self in a Transitioning Time. Um, the second book is the Book of Love and Creation, uh, which is a channeled text. But all three of these have been channeled uh, channeled from readings that Paul has put together. And then his most recent one is the Book of Knowing and Worth. And um, to me, you know, they the, you know obviously they went together. But you, I, I, you have more books. You have three more books in the next four years. <laughs> okay. So you you will be busy. Sorry, I know you didn't ask for that, but I heard. Oh yes, there's going to be three more. You get a little bit of time off, but then it's um, and it's going to count. You have a new. I, I just sense that you have a new guide coming in that is um, yeah. just going to the. You know, you know, it's like 
I'll never forget seeing Carolyn Mace one time, and mm. she was at the end of the seminar, and she, you know how she teaches, she channels when she teaches, and she sometimes, I'll tell you about that later, I'll tell you about that later. Well, all of a sudden she realized that there was like very little time left, and mm. I saw her do the time compression thing. I mean, all of a sudden mm. she was very blurry, and then she delivered the whole seminar. Mm. But I'll never forget her saying, and what she did, she just compressed it all, and we got it all. But it was yeah. like she really had to like go to that place. Mm. But I remember her saying that St. Teresa of Avalon started coming to her saying, throw that book out. You know, I have a new book for you. And so finally she just, she just listened and she didn't even know much about St. Teresa. And so she called her, um, you know, agent and she says, okay, here's the deal. Um, St. Teresa has been talking to me and I, Mm -hmm. I threw that thing that I've written out. It's just not where I want to go. And he's like, yeah, that's great. Well, you just tell, you tell St. Teresa that, you know, you've got X amount of time and she better get going if this is how it's going to go. And, you know, it was just, but you know, it was a, a moment of full faith where she knew that that book was guided totally by Teresa well, of Avalon. Yeah, you know, I think I heard her give, I'd never heard of Carolyn Mace before, and I was in, I was at the Omega Conference in New York, and I saw her for the first time, and she told that story, and I didn't know who this little woman was on the stage, but she said something like, you're all light workers, what are you doing here, sitting in the dark, go out and work, and I was so shaken up by her, I actually left the theater and began the work that I'm doing now, so I've never met her, but I credit her, because mm-hmm. she really got me. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, she, she got me out of my closet pretty much, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> but I think that, you know, you're not the first person to tell me I've got new guides coming through. It's been, I've been, yeah. they're, they're giving me that message at every opportunity, and, you know, I'm game. What else am I okay. going to do except say yes? <laughs> okay, well, we're going to take a couple of calls. I didn't mm-hmm. realize. I apologize. I did not um, see this message from my producer. So, uh, Nate, go ahead and bring the first person on. Yeah, this is Debbie from would. New Orleans. Okay, Debbie, what is your question for Paul this evening? Yeah, hi, Paul. Hi, Debbie. I have a question about the energy with the moons and ascension, mm-hmm. but I noticed um, I'm having hormonal issues, mm-hmm. and every uh, like out of whack. And uh-huh. But I've talked to several of my friends who are having the same issues. Um, does that have to do with these energies as in some kind of step up or... You coming in? Or, I'm know, not sure. I, I have no idea. I mean, I really don't deal much with astrology. My guides did talk about the eclipse that we're having now um, when they were, you know, running this workshop in Santa Fe, only because I was worried about it, and they were saying it really is an opportunity to bridge the lower and the higher. I mean, there really is there really is work being done now. But in terms of your physical experience, I would probably need to tune into you and see what you would want to tell me. But I think it sounds more like you're dealing with the lunar stuff than perhaps yeah. the ascension stuff. Yeah, I am very connected to the moon. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting that more than one person has told me that they're having the same issues. So uh-huh. I'm like, wow, there's got to be some program. I, you know, I don't know. I get yes. People are changing. They're operating as, as they can and learning how to shift and learning how to shift through this experience, through this experience, and that the physical systems are being impacted. So that's from the guides. So yes, okay. we are having to change. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, well, Debbie, for calling. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Debbie. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now we have and Richard we from have... Belling. Yeah, we have uh, Richard from Bellingham, Washington, and this is directly to Paul about his books uh, that he's read. Okay. 
All right, Richard, are you uh, there? Yes, I am. Hello, Paul and, okay, and Cindy. Hello. Uh, Paul, I love the books. I read all three of them, one right uh-huh. after another. And uh, uh-huh. in fact, actually, I read the third one first, and then uh-huh. I went one and two. Yes. But my my question or my concern or whatever is that I I don't seem to be able to feel the energy, and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't feel like things are going fast enough for me. <laughs> well, going fast enough—that may be the problem. I mean, I. The reports of people feeling the frequency through the books is happening. I think it's pretty common. I don't know if it's mandatory, and I wouldn't judge yourself if you're not. But I think sometimes there's an expectation that that it should feel a certain way. And, you know, either you're feeling it or you're not. I also don't know that the books need to be rushed through. They're not a contest. And if you work with the exercises in the books... They're actually exercises in opening up to your own abilities, especially in the second book. They really do teach a lot about opening up clairsentiently, you know, the ability to feel energy. So that may help you. And, you know, if you want, come to a workshop sometime because the energy there is pretty focused and we can usually open people up who aren't feeling too, too, too receptive. Well, maybe I'll watch for the next time you're out, out this way and, and uh, see what I can do. But thank yeah. you very much. You're very welcome. I, Mm-hmm. Thanks for calling, thank Richard. You. Okay, All we'll right, take thanks. one more. Um, um, thank you so much. We'll, we'll take one more quick call. Um, uh, so, Nate, if you'll bring the next person on. Well, actually, that that would be me. Oh, okay. All I right. had a Mr. question. Producer, what is your question? <laughs> okay. Well, I've been feeling a lot of uh, you know energies that have been multiplying basically about the work that I do with both with Cindy and the other intuitives that I have, and I come mm-hmm. from a long line of people that have gifts. Mm-hmm. but I haven't ever been able to really pinpoint where my gifts come into play. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I get visions, sometimes I get, you know, I have thoughts, sometimes uh-huh. I hear things that, you mm-hmm. know, there's nobody there and I'm looking around. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how to solidify which direction should I put my energies into in order to maybe solidify my abilities a little bit better so that I can understand what's going on. Well, what I hear in response to that is where are you being called? So essentially, I think your gifts will call you forward, you know, and they'll mm-hmm. be used. I mean, I, you know, my first ability really was clairsentience and was the ability to feel energy. I would hear things on occasion for clients, but I really never thought I'd be channeling. And clairvoyance, the ability to sort of, I mean, I could see lights around people, but the ability to sort of close my eyes and get visual information for clients um, came later. And so, you know, I think the different aspects of the self continue to develop as they get worked with. But some of this, I also have to say, there's a level of skill involved, and skill comes through the repetition of doing the work. I mean, my guides now have a vocabulary of physical gestures that I work with. When I do certain things with my hands, I know what they mean, you know. And that only comes, or different things in my body always feel the same way, you know, um, when when I'm tuning into other people. So this is how you develop. And I would say, where are you being called? Where Where is the energy pulling you? And if you follow that, then you'll develop. You'll develop it more than likely. The other things will lift with you. And that that makes perfect sense because I'm feeling a lot more energy when I'm doing my meditation work, and I'm just and I'm doing my breathing work that I've been following now. Um, thanks to Cindy, she's kind of got me hooked on all this stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, she, she's she's a great guide, and, and and I just I just read a lot of the stuff that she puts out in her magazine and stuff, and all the articles that people put out, and I just try to 
interpret what that is compared to what I'm actually doing with with everything. So I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I, and I will do that. I will try to focus in and and and, and let them kind of take me instead of worry about which direction to go. Just go with it. Mm-hmm. I am here. I am open. I am ready. Guide me. But especially, you know, I think Paul gave you valuable insight into where, what are you attracting into your sphere, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's the knowing, the knowingness that, you know, Paul talks about in his book. So, and thanks, Nate, for your kind words. Well, but, you're awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, we're all in this together, aren't we? <laughs> it's like... So, oh my gosh, Paul, you've just been marvelous, and um, I just thank you. Thank you so much, and I, you know, I looked forward so much to this interview, so I just really, you know, want to mention listeners again, Paul's all over. I looked at your schedule, and I went, oh my goodness. So, Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G, in the April issue of Spirit Seeker, which is online, there's a wonderful article, The Demonstration of Love. We also had an article in the um, February uh, issue as well, so there's a lot of information information on his website there's just you know a lot of good works and you can sign up and he'll let you know where he's going and if you want to be on spirit seekers list info at spiritseeker.com just ask to be added and we will most certainly let you know about things so paul in closing any other message you want to deliver or any closing words you would like to share with us well, I mean, I think I hear let them know that they're safe to be who they are. You're safe to be, you're safe to be expressed as, as and where you are at this level of consciousness. That's all we can really do, and that's the only place we can begin to develop from. So that's what I'm hearing. And I want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, my gosh, always. And if there's anything else Spirit Seeker can do, you know, just let us know. Oh. We are a voice. And um, and just, you know, when Jill Mangino first talked about you, she said, his stuff's better than The Course of Miracles. I'm like, what? You know, I mean, all she had to do is like that one sentence. And I went, mm-hmm. what? And I said, okay, I'm intrigued. And, you know, I mean, uh-huh. we get so many different, you know, like Nate said, you know, it's it's hard to be able to put everything in the magazine. I wish I wish we could just do it all, you know, yeah. but we do uh-huh. as much as we can. And 18 years of publishing every month is is a devotion. So, oh boy, yeah. um, but I knew when I saw your information coming through, I was like, oh yeah, this guy's good. And then it was so funny. One of the mediums from St. Louis is like, oh, I just saw him, and I think it was in Florida. And she said, she said he's fabulous. And everywhere I went, all of a sudden, because you were in the magazine, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, on my mind, you yeah. know how it works. Every He's like, yeah, Paul C. Like, yeah. So, so you know, from my heart to yours, and just uh-huh. you know, thank you so much for your your genuine sincerity and presence. It's um, I feel great after having spent this time oh. with you. So I know I know our listeners well as well, and we'll replay it, and people replay these interviews. So Perfect. thank you so much, and um, may your life continue. You're helping many people. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. All right. Good night, everyone. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Good night.